Welcome to Tracklisting, the podcast where a musician, a comedian, and a painter review old albums for some reason. I'm Nick. I'm Chris. And I'm Caleb. And this week, I think Nick has a pick. I've got a pick for us, guys. Leading off 2020 here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 2020. You guys are both a year older. I'm the same age. (laughs) That's how it works. (laughs) I've got the soundtrack to Boogie Nights. Yeah! Boogie Nights! (laughs) Nice. Famously, uh, great soundtrack, great Mm -hmm. movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Movie I didn't have a chance to rewatch, but it's one of my favorite movies. I've watched it probably more than a dozen times. Okay, yeah. Did you guys own the soundtrack? I did. I did not. I did own it. Early days of CDs, or early days of Christopher. (laughs) 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 See, yeah, Um, CDs have been around like ten years. Chris Darden CD. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, CDs have been around, but um, no, no, I owned it. I owned it. I think my aunt gave it to me. This was uh, nineteen ninety-seven. Uh, the soundtrack has two volumes. Wait, your aunt knew how much you love that porn movie? <laughs> she just thought it was a good like soundtrack. She's like, I'm not going to give you the movie. I'll give you the... the... <laughs> That's good. Uh, we'll be doing the first volume of the Boogie Night soundtrack tonight. And up first, we have got John C. Riley and Mark Wahlberg with intro, Feel the Heat. He will rock you. He will roll you Baby, don't you know My heat will move your soul Come on, come on, come on Sounds like a good song. Like I said, this is a great soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, everything about <laughs> it. I recognize that uh, that clip from that movie. Was that in a game that we've done before? It was a tinsel tinsel. Oh! Oh, straight yeah. to the game version. I think that was like the first Tinseltown tune um, clue. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, I'll have to thank your aunt. Uh, yeah. Aunt Darden, wherever you are. It's, it's like not surprising that that's on the soundtrack, but I, I like that they have the balls to put it right up front. Yeah. Just ease you into it. Especially with such like a great soundtrack as this. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were joking around earlier about like, it doesn't seem like Mark Wahlberg is straining that hard to make his voice sound not great. Like, I, I think it was probably ge- pretty easy for him to <laughs> sing that poorly. It was, it was genuine. It was genuine but there. Marky Mark, though. Marky Mark can rap. Can sort rap. of. <laughs> Good vibrations. Can Mark Wahlberg. Wahlberg actually sing? Can he act? I don't This was a... <laughs> not a all things we'll figure for out. For years, he was kind of on the level where... There was a discussion, Mark Wahlberg and Keanu Reeves. It was like these movie stars that seemed like they weren't great actors. And now everybody has kind of fallen in love with both of them. Except, I think that Keanu Reeves is, is awesome. He kind of like, he's like a famously great guy, great actor in like a movie star way. He mm-hmm. kind of stays in his range. Yeah. Whereas Mark Wahlberg's like a famously shitty guy who thinks that he's amazing at everything and could have stopped 9-11. Yeah. yeah he's yeah. good at working out. I saw one of those videos of him recently with James Corden. <laughs> Where he like goes over to his house. He wakes up at like two thirty in the morning. Yeah, dude, he's shred. He was shredded. Yeah, and just works out until six, and uh, you know ends up going to bed around seven thirty every night. It's crazy. Oh man. Yeah, he also uh, blinded a Vietnamese man. Yeah, so. hate crime. Hate crime. Hate crime. But he's forgiven oh, himself. So that's good. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like... he could have stopped the Vietnamese war. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. I remember, so when this movie came out, everybody was like, "Mark Wahlberg can act." Yeah, yeah he's yeah. an actually great actor. I'm he's like, no ah. longer Marky Mark. He's he was Mark Wahlberg now. You know? I'm like, are we sure he's playing somebody who's like bad at acting? 
Yeah. Maybe he was just well cast. He was uh. a rapper turned Calvin Klein model. <laughs> no, he was a model first, I think. Was he really? Uh, maybe it was around the same time. Nah, Marky Mark. He was uh, New Kids Adjacent. Um. Yeah. Which, dude, I was looking <laughs> Great up. Great description. I was looking up New Kids on the Block. I forgot they all had rat tails. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's they gross. All have rat and there's a bunch of look it up. There's all a bunch of pictures of them like grabbing each other's rat tails and pretending that they're like their mustaches, and it's uh, gross. <laughs> Track two, <laughs> the emotions, best of my love. right back to the 70s this, yeah, yeah, this oh, song man. like uh songs like this make me angry that disco ever went away because it's like some of the most enjoyable like well produced mm-hmm. just like great music this was uh i think it was written by a couple of the guys from earth wind and fire mm-hmm. uh for the emotions it's a great song yeah that plays over the uh the top of the movie yeah. when they show the nightclub outside and like that crazy camera shot that never cuts yeah the famous goes all the way in the shot. club and yeah it's pretty amazing perhaps the best tracking shot of all time yeah you know? he it, the story the story kind of goes he had uh, uh, i guess there's that amazing one in goodfellas yeah it's a goodfellas shot and paul thomas anderson was like I'm gonna do a better one. <laughs> it's 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 an amazing shot. It's great. Oh uh, uh, yeah, he uh, made this movie also when he was pretty young. This is uh, his second movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Hard Eight before that. Mm-hmm. He was about like 27, I think, when this movie came out. Yeah, so it's pretty 26, wild. 27. It's crazy. Yeah, he had made a film in high school, I believe, mm-hmm. the story of Dirk Diggler. Yeah, when he was 17. And I tried to watch some of that, and it's it's pretty unwatchable. It was like a mockumentary, right? Yeah. 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 And he, he wanted to make Boogie Nights as a mockumentary as well. I don't know. Uh, like a full-length mockumentary. But he was like, but by the time, like in the 10 years that passed between my first mockumentary, he was like, people did it, and people did it better than I would have. He was like, yeah, so many good mockumentary-type movies came out that he's like, I can't. Loosely based on the John Holmes documentary. John Holmes, the uh, famous male porn star. Porn star yeah. <laughs> um, adult film actor, please. Let's there have go. some respect. So uh, that makes it sound uh, like everybody else is just children and actors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Child film actor. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Jesus. Oh. Uh, yeah, P.T. Anderson is probably one of my favorite living directors. Yeah. This, so movie, this movie's awesome. This yeah. movie's great. It's a great movie. Uh, everyone in it is perfectly cast. Everyone nails it. Yeah, I can't say enough. Burt Reynolds apparently hated the fact that he was in it, wanted to fight Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh, man. It was this punk kid telling me what to do. Like, yeah, it was kind of like, oh, Scorsese, you did a tracking shot? Well, have you ever done a tracking shot having to deal with Burt Reynolds? <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesus. He was literally trying to fight you. I read um, that uh, Bill Murray was originally up for that role. Mm-hmm. Also would have been great. Yeah, he also might I have think, tried to fight P.T. Yeah. Anderson. <laughs> I think that would have been cool. I mean, like, I, I could see him. Th- this was a, this sort of made, a, I guess, Burt Reynolds <laughs> come back in the limelight the same way that Pulp Fiction made John Travolta like kind of rose him from the yeah. ashes. It was, kinda, suppose, it was but... a quick kind of up and down. I remember he did this and then he did that uh, striptease mm-hmm. movie with uh, Demi Moore. Yeah. And then there was maybe one thing and then 
I don't know. Didn't really hear from him for a while. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, Burn Reynolds kind of sucks. He's like kind of <laughs> great, but he kind of sucks. There's a great video of him uh, getting in a physical altercation with Mark Summers. The guy Mark from Summers. Double Dare. Nickelodeon. <laughs> Dude, it's like yeah. him and I, I think it's on Letterman. And uh, like Mark Summers is just the second guest, but Burt Reynolds is still there. And like, you know, he's telling some dumb anecdote and Burt keeps interrupting. Oh, yeah. And then eventually like Burt throws water at him and then Mark Summers throws it. But he... Burt like hits the uh, the mug and like, you know, busts Mark Summers' lip and then they settle it with a pie fight at the end. It's it's crazy. And Burt looks like he's gonna kill him. Like he looks like he's gonna strangle him to death. And it's I'm the scared. double there guy. The nicest guy ever. It's crazy. America's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Track three. The Chaka Chas. Jungle fever. No, 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 I, I. There was like a, I think in the seventies, a little bit of a European contest to make the most porny disco song, <laughs> like Giorgio Moroder with uh, Donna Summer did yeah. the one, and then, then it's just kind of like okay, and this was the Belgian response. Yeah, <laughs> this is when a roller girl takes old, uh, old Eddie into a room and uh, you know does what she does best, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, no, no, edit that part. Let's start from the beginning. The article I'm reading says, and does a blowjob on him. <laughs> and does a blowjob on him. That's, how, that's not how you say that. Anyway, start from the beginning. Uh, first track, intro. Uh, feel the heat. Mark Wahlberg really? and yeah. I, I did forget to mention, I guess we didn't really give context. That was the fake song when... Um, uh, Marky Mark and uh, John C. Riley are like, all right, we're stars now. Oh, let's yeah. let's cut an album, and th- there's some great sequences that come out of that with uh, you know John C. Riley screaming at the room. He's like, <laughs> you have to, we have to get the record deal to get the money to buy the tape. How are you not getting this? <laughs> it's like it's so great. It's like, look, you do own the tapes, but that magic on the tape, you can't own that. Okay. <laughs> Freaking out. <laughs> Everyone kills it in this movie. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. yeah. Just yacked out John C. Riley <laughs> screaming at the guy. Uh, but I guess You Got the Touch is the one he really nails in the movie. This is, uh, Feel the Heat is just kind of like the side one. But You Got the Touch was also in the Transformers cartoon movie. Yeah, yeah. It was oh. part of that soundtrack. Transformers the movie. Which I don't know why they use that same song. But which I think we perfect. might get to them later. Okay, okay. <laughs> we might get to it. Let's see. <laughs> Let's get into track four. We've got Melanie with Brand New Key. I'm okay alone, but you got something I need. Well, I got a brand new pair of roller skates. You got a brand new key. I think that we should get together and try them out, you see. I've been looking around a while. You got something for me. Oh, 
nice little ditty there. Yeah, that was a kind of a pop hit. It's funny, both these last two songs, both of them were banned in certain markets. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I can see the last one. This one, I don't find. Wait, that why provoc- was this one? Was it just sub it's subtext? Like, yeah, of subtext this- of a key and a lock, and I don't know, man. <laughs> Wow, that's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> a key and a lock? Jeez. This gay stuff. Melanie, I, I remember listening to a podcast recently, and they were talking about the legacy of the Woodstock performances. Yeah. And she was kind of one of the people that nobody remembers performing at Woodstock. But then she was a bigger kind of pop star later on with this song. I like this song. It's, it's, it's I think like, it's one of those songs where I'm listening to it, I'm like, yeah, this is great. And sometimes I'll like, you know. I actually listen to this song every once in a while. Yeah. But if we were alive when this came out, this would probably be the worst fucking cheesy pop hit that everybody was playing. It sounds like an ice cream truck song. I'd be like, what is this? That's another Roller Girl song, though. Heather Graham. Heather Graham. Yeah, sometimes people refer to this song as like the roller skate song because it's part of the chorus. So got a brand new pair of roller skates. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh... This is when um, Dirk Diggler's kind of getting born when uh, Jack, aka Bert, is like, auditioning for yeah, him, like, essentially. Go ahead and, uh, go ahead and do her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> try, try to finish her. <laughs> I, I can't even say it. Like, was that Bert Reynolds? Was that Bert Reynolds? Yeah. You got it, Chris. Yeah, I'm it's like, 2020. My face is red. I'm like trying not to get too sexual with this episode, but I love it. Yeah, ah. your porn rabbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's good, yeah. It's good Let's check out track five. We've got War with Eric Burden. Spill the wine. Out of the middle. Welcoming War back to the track listing podcast. I'm, you know, I'm a big defender of War. This is probably my favorite War song. This is song. Uh, yeah. amazing. This song. So Eric Burden. Okay, so <laughs> I have a lot. How about the animals? I right? have a lot to kind of say about this song, and something that I—it's a question I have about it that I've never gotten a straight answer from the internet or anywhere. So Let's Eric, get to the bottom of it. Eric Burden was the lead singer of the Animals, which is like a big uh, English garage rock. They mm-hmm. did uh, "I Got to Get Out of This Place." Um, also, the Rising Sun. House the Rising Sun. There's both covers, but uh, mm-hmm. so he quit the Animals to move to LA to pursue acting, which he did do. And then when he was out there, he got hooked up with this funk band, this pre-existing funk band, which turned into War. So he's a very British man. And in this song, there's a lot of passages where it's like spoken word, essentially. Yeah. But he's 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 doing an American accent yeah. through the whole thing. It's like a, me, a long haired leaping gnome. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> but I, I like for a lot, I was like, is this somebody else in Wars? And I was like, no, it's Eric Burden doing all the vocals. Oh, yeah. weird. And it's like very common, especially in the 60s and 70s, for British acts to to sing like Americans sing because that's where rock and roll came from. Nobody yeah. sang with a British accent. But he's actually like talking with an American accent. 
<laughs> that's, yeah, that's bizarre. I never even I, thought about that. I can't fucking think. It's so weird. I knew it's it was so British, weird. but then like it didn't even put it together. Like, oh yeah, why is he doing? This? Why is it? <laughs> Maybe he thought it would help sell the song, or you yeah, know, like appeal to the masses. It would be so amazing to hear this song with somebody with like a <laughs> like a thick Northampton accent or wherever he's from. Yeah, <laughs> we can make that version. We have the tech. There's a there's an app for that. Uh, but great song, great song. Is that the period in war where they were, before it was just war, it was war with Eric Burden? Or Eric Burden's war? I think, yeah. And early on, it was marketed with his name because he was a bigger star. And it's going to help get more sales. Yeah, yeah. But then he, you know, left to do other stuff or whatever. And then war went on for years and years. Mm-hmm. And now it's the, there's a the few members left that have the, uh, the lowrider band. The lowrider <laughs> band. <laughs> they like, just play lowrider. Yeah. The notoriously like 25 members of war. <laughs> oh yeah. There were like 37 yeah. members <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. over war, time. War is underrated. <laughs> yeah. So war, good. I, I so like war. Great. Yeah, yeah. But Lowrider just overshadows all of it. And it's like, that's why you gotta listen to the corn version. Uh, yeah. They have a song called Slipping Into Darkness, which is amazing. Yeah. Cisco Kid, you know, Why Can't We Be Friends is also a great pop hit. That's a great song. I didn't, didn't Smash Mouth do a cover of that? Probably. Oh, why, they, why Can't We Be Friends? Absolutely. Uh, oh, of course they do. Smash yeah, Mouth yeah. loves war. <laughs> Um, this Clear is, influence. Yeah, good taste. <laughs> this song is playing during... Steve Harwell. Uh, <laughs> Steve we love Harwell. you. If you're out there. Guy Fieri. <laughs> this song is playing during the pool party. And that's a great... There's so many great uh, oh, yeah. things happening at that pool party. And that's when, um, you know, Marky Mark meets the, the colonel. And he's like, I've heard about you. May I see it? <laughs> he's just like... And he stares. Then it's way too long of a stare. And he's... Thank you. <laughs> well, that was creepiest, <laughs> the creepiest guy in the world. Even uh, when uh, when Dirk Diggler was working in that restaurant, and it was a lot of like people would find me. I was like, <laughs> okay, well, it's five bucks to see it, and it's ten bucks to touch or something. Like, how do you find out about? Yeah, this it's like, wor- like spread like wildfire. Yeah. Like the notion that this guy had a giant wang, and yeah. people were just coming to the restaurant to see it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, look, look, the appetizers are going to be bad, but I promise you, why is you're going to thank me? Why is there a wait restaurant? for this restaurant? Restaurant. <laughs> oh well, there's this bus boy. Yeah, it's look. I'm straight as an arrow, but you gotta see this. You gotta see it. Five bucks is totally <laughs> worth it. Should we get the mushrooms? Like, well, we gotta save a little cash for the. You know what? Ten dollars if you want to touch it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Um, I think the guy that plays the Colonel, I recognized him in the Dirk Diggler yeah. uh, story. He played Jack Horner in the. Uh, he was like, uh, I guess, Burt Reynolds' role in the um, in the original. The original, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. He's he made the crossover. I guess uh, Paul Thomas Anderson has been really cool with his house and his pen of um, actors and actresses that he continues to use, which is always I I, I admire them. For sure. It's too that. bad that he couldn't have poached Bill Murray from the Wes Anderson camp into the P.T. Anderson. Yeah. And like he got close to getting uh, Leo, too, for the for Mark Wahlberg's role. Yeah. But uh, Leo was already signed on to do Titanic, I believe. Yeah. Which and, I think which, ended you know, up that, being, that, that was the good that role. That did pretty well. <laughs> yeah. And he couldn't get uh, Mia Jovovich from Paul Anderson's because yeah. they were married. Yeah, yeah. And, um, <laughs> Do you know about this? The yeah, other, he also other Paul Anderson. He yeah. used to go by Paul Anderson before he started going by PT. <laughs> yeah, so that was probably the, the reason. Yeah, the Resident Evil guy is named Paul Anderson. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 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 like, making vastly <laughs> inferior films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would <laughs> love if there was a like a a Martin C. Scorsese. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> 
like a Quentin Tarantini just making terrible, terrible movies. Quentin Brian Tarantino. Yeah. There was a uh, where I went to college. There was a guitar instructor whose name was uh, Dave Gilmore, <laughs> and uh, he never got the respect he deserved. Yeah. Oh, I think I've told this before, but I went to high school with a Dustin Hoffman. Oh God! Yeah, <laughs> which is weird because his parents had to We're have known. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, he was big in the 70s. Well, of course, you're a Christopher Darden. I'm a Christopher Darden, but that was before <laughs> all the O.J. Simpson stuff That's broke. But they do admire Christopher Darden's work. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, he was, he was a good guy. He was a pawn in a horrible game. Oh, God. Sometimes right. you, uh, you gotta give it up. This is Marvin Gaye with Got to Give It Up, part one. Uh, prepping for this episode uh, that song got stuck on loop accidentally and I realized it had been on for like a half hour and I'd been listening to it and it was totally fine so good yeah you can just listen to that song forever when I was sequencing I was like oh like oh, is there like a chorus that I need to fit in it's like no it's Not just really. a groove through the whole thing that yeah. never stops yeah and you told me that you looked into why it was called part one because you're like, oh, part two is probably great. Yeah. It's just that it was a single that was too long for radio or something. They cut it in half. Or? Yeah. On the uh, there's a Marvin Gaye release that's uh, live at the London Palladium. And, uh, you know, it's live tracks. But the last track is just got to give it up. And it's the full version of the track, which is like 12 minutes. And there's a great like sax and guitar <laughs> solo. Nice. Uh, but yeah, obviously they can't put a 12 minute song on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> Especially a 12 minute song with like no bridge or chord. <laughs> yeah. But man, it's great. That 12 minute version. That's, that's the, uh, that's the real one. How long's the, the part one version? Do they like whittle it down to like seven minutes or it's something? probably like uh, around five minutes. <laughs> on, here, on here it's a uh, 412. 412. Yeah. Great song. The group chatter at the beginning of that song is, um, which fo- it was a football team? No, the the Detroit Lions. Uh, That's right. I think the offensive line are the people chattering in front of what's going on. Right. And I think that this was a little bit. He's like, yeah, I liked how that went. So this, I think this was his brother and sister in law or something. It was some people that were like working on the track. Mm-hmm. They were goofing around in the background for it. So good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. This was so the good song. That, uh, that Robin Thicke had to. <laughs> Sticky little fingers. Well, I mean, Robin it was Pharrell and Pharrell, Pharrell yeah, yeah. produced it. That was uh, in 2018. <laughs> now we have the mass singer. You can thank Marvin Gaye. <laughs> that was a crazy lawsuit. I mean, I think to my knowledge, that's the first time that a groove has you know succeeded in you know groove copyright. Yeah, uh-huh. not so much the melody, just kind of the sound of the drums and the bass. Setting a scary precedent, I think, yeah. for creativity. It's like, this feels like this song, so we're going to go ahead and just... It is, except for the first time I heard Blurred Lines, the first thing popping, I was like, oh yeah, got to give it up. Oh yeah, we, no, we've talked about it, like, <laughs> uh, Alan Thicke and Robin Thicke, like, drafted legislation stuff, like before the song came out, because they knew they were going to come after it for this. <laughs> like, if you know that, cl- I mean, 
mean, yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it's yeah. it's lifted. It's fine. It I, everybody everybody made money. I don't yeah. think anybody needs to. I don't think it was like the Verve where they literally just got like carved out screwed by. and never heard from again yeah. i mean the song you know blurred lines has half a billion or so streams on spotify and you know probably some other sales as well well that's like what twenty thousand dollars in uh, revenue right there <laughs> yeah nothing um i think they settled for like five or six million dollars yeah. to the gay estate yeah, yeah. yeah i mean fine. worth it for robin thick yeah. he's doing great <laughs> yeah yeah broke up his marriage yeah destroyed his marriage <laughs> Lost a father. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. oh no. Rest in peace. Rest Bummer. in peace. Happy New Year, everybody. America's dad. <laughs> America's dad. <laughs> America's dad. <laughs> Track seven The Commodores. Machine Gun. Nice uh, instrumental funk track there. Yeah, man. It's really good. You can hear uh, Lionel Richie itching to go solo in the background. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> I know, it's good. It's like, hi. Not, not even any singing on this track. What not am I doing yet. here? Yeah. Just standing there playing the shaker, looking yeah. pissed. <laughs> Your time will come, Lionel. Just wait. Just wait. Ah. Yeah, this is when everything's going great for the whole crew and oh, Dirk yeah. Diggler, and then it's all about to come the to... The party's s- never going to end. <laughs> never, we're going to live forever. <laughs> One of my uh, good, good, good friend of mine from college, one night, we I can't remember what we were talking about. We were probably talking about Lionel Richie, and he just turned to me and he said, uh, when I was a kid, I was terrified of the Commodores. Oh. And it's always stuck with me, and I have no idea what it means. <laughs> what? Yeah. Was he, oh, no follow-up to that? I, I, he was kind of vague. He was like, you know. It's like if someone just said, like, <laughs> man, Cat Stevens terrifying. And then it just the disappears. You're like, what What was he talking about? I, Cat Stevens? If you see a picture of the Commodores, first of all, it was the age where everybody who was 30 looked like they were 50. So it kind of looked like a bunch That's of 50-year-old men in, like, space costumes. Yeah. And they yeah. were called the Commodores, which sounds like authoritarian, kind of. Hmm. I don't know. A lot of space sounds, too, which, like, a little, you know, a little disturbing, I guess. I, I, I seem to remember it had little to do with the music and had something to do with just how they looked the and they their looked. name. I'm looking at a picture of them right now. They're what do you fine. think? They're fine. That just looks like the classic <laughs> photo on, like, those classic album yeah, releases. Yeah. yeah. Nice group well, shot. Call, call your friend up. I don't mm-hmm. understand. Terrifying, man. <laughs> they had a brick house, I think, was maybe one of yeah, them. Yeah. Oh, that's a great track. And that song's awesome and not scary. Great Halloween song. (laughs) Great Halloween. Spooky. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I was was watching um, the Charlie Rose, rest in peace, uh, his interview with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. And he kept yeah. calling it Boogie Nights. <laughs> it just kind of no. It's like it's Boogie Nights. He's like, I'm here with Paul Thomas Anderson, and his his new movie Boogie Nights. And uh, <laughs> I swear to God. and then like I watch a few things on the internet, and every once in a while, someone's like, Boogie Nights was one of the best movies. <laughs> Boogie. Boogie, guys. Boogie down. Boogie. I, uh, if anybody is waiting to hear the song Boogie Nights, it didn't make it onto the soundtrack or the movie. 
It was uh, the British funk band called Heatwave. Heatwave, yeah. Boogie Nights. And it was later uh, covered by Casey and the Sunshine Band, a few other people. Oh, yeah. Apparently the lead singer or one of the songwriters had gone uh, very Christian and, and didn't want it to be associated with the pornography. Not even the golden age of pornography. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's so sad. There was a. We may have a Christian song coming up on the soundtrack. Ooh, I'll see. Hold to strap in, Hallelujah. folks. Strap in. <laughs> yeah. All right, what do we got next? We are at track number eight. This is Walter Egan with Magnet and Steel. Can't let you go, and I can't let go. First uh, ballad. A little bit of a one-hit wonder. I don't know. Maybe hit in quotations. It sounds like you know. some of those twinkly sounds. He was trying to write like a Fleetwood Mac kind of song. Well, it was uh, produced by Lindsey Buckingham. Oh, okay. And that's uh, Stevie totally Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham singing background, background vocals. Oh, okay. You there you go. Yeah. But it sounds very Fleetwood Mac. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it kind of sounds like a B-side. It's got a little yeah. bit of a Fleetwood Mac thing. It's funny. <laughs> Six members of Fleetwood Mac. I'm listening to it. They're all like, there. Ooh, maybe we turn those lead vocals down and uh, maybe we... We bring those uh, background vocals way up to the top. <laughs> you know, I know it's a pretty good song. Yeah, not a bad track. This is playing when Dirk's winning all those awards and stuff like that. And again, <laughs> this is uh, the you know, the fun's never going to stop. Man. It's going to be fine. Everything's going to be just fine. I think we uh, might have uh, accidentally because this soundtrack, uh, besides the first track, does kind of work uh, chronologically in the film. Mm-hmm. And I think we're taking a break right before things go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> One more thing on a long way down. Or whatever, I um. So he gives one of the best speeches ever, which is like a nonsense acceptance speech. He's like, "Yeah, man, I'm just gonna keep on rocking and rolling, and uh, I can do. I'll do good if you guys can do good, but we can always do better. Let's just keep on rocking and rolling." <laughs> just like the karate kid. Just like cut, cut, go to commercial. Yeah, I uh, I did something very similar when I won a fraternity award. I was like, can I make a speech? And they were like, if you want to. And I was like, yeah. And I gave, I think, this exact speech and then did like a bad karate kick. I can't flex that high. So like, it was like a mediocre horizontal karate kick. And I was like, okay. All right. Give it up for Christopher. That's <laughs> uh, pretty good. And I was like, boogie nights. You guys get it? You guys get what I was doing? Dirk Diggler. It's a great movie. Check it out. I think we may have a uh, game coming up. Yeah, I put together a new game for you guys. New game. I'm going game, to uh, wait to spring it on you until after the break so I you guys wait. can experience it live. And then uh, at the end of the episode, we are going to add a song to the track listing Spotify playlist. Uh, Chris, what is the theme this week? I think it's our uh, favorite song to make love to. Be more specific. What is what is the theme of the song that we're... Is this sexy? What are you doing? What are you doing? Talk <laughs> about what kind of songs we're gonna put. Be really florid. Fucking song. <laughs> okay, there, there we go. To go. <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> Stick with us. Hey, thank you guys for listening to the track listing podcast. As always, we want to hear from you. Hey. 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 Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our ad. 
<laughs> How can they uh, reach out to us, Chris? Well, you can find us on Instagram. That is at Tracklisting Podcast. You can Gmail us. Do people, I, it's 2020 now. I don't know if people email anymore. People but if, if you want Gmail, it's uh, tracklistingpodcast at gmail.com. And rate and review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Yeah. And make sure to follow our uh, official Spotify tracklisting playlist on Spotify. Get on that iTunes and try to balance out our one one star review. Yeah, who did that? <laughs> who Hey! Hey! Thanks for listening. We love y'all. Welcome back to Tracklisting. We have a game prepared by our very own Caleb Brown. Yeah, before we get back into the soundtrack, it's a new I, game. I'm going to try out a new game on you guys. This is a game that is uh, similar to Vocal Fry, but uh, by my estimation, should be a lot less fun. Maybe. Woo! Hopefully, hopefully interesting. We'll see how it goes. I don't like that intro at all. <laughs> I'm uh, calling this game Enjoy the Silence. Okay. Okay. All right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to play some parts of songs before the music kicks in. That uh, I was listening to Spotify the other day on random and a song came on. And before the music started, I knew what song was going to play because of the mm-hmm. ambient noise. Very mm-hmm. nice. So it made me wonder if you guys would enjoy trying to identify silence. Okay, it's very John Cage of you. Yeah. John Cage is the answer to everything. Yeah. So everybody, uh, turn up your iPods. Yeah. Let's uh, let's listen to Clue One and see how you guys do. They should go from easy-ish to hardish. Okay. Here we go. Clue number one. I think I know what that is. I'm seeing somebody's ears are perking up like they know what it is. <sighs> I've heard Chris, that. Chris looks a little... I've heard that, but I'm, I'm not even going to be in the same ballpark. So 1971. 71. Sounds, okay. That links up with my idea so far. I got a few hints, but since one of you obviously knows what it is, uh, I'm going to give you one hint and see if uh, Chris can get it. Okay. Um, this song inspired the screenplay for the 1986 film The Hitcher with Rutger Hauer. I don't know oh. if that's going to... Maybe I'm not right. I don't know. No? Uh, is something from Blade Runner or something? <laughs> no. Let's hear that clue. <laughs> yeah, one more time. Yeah, let's hear it. 1971. How it suits. Oh, oh, 71. Tonight we're listening to clues all all in the, a certain time in rock music when people were taking themselves pretty seriously. 71... Hitcher. Hitcher, the movie about the hitchhiker that is like a serial killer, right? This uh, song was the last song recorded by the vocalist. Oh, okay. Ever. You should take, take the reins. You Nick, think you know I, what it I, is? I don't, I don't. Mickey, what is your guess? I'm going to say that that is uh, Riders on the Storm by The Doors. Oh, that's an interesting guess. Let's hear the answer to round one. Here's round one. Yeah, there it is. Very nice. Spooky, spooky. Yeah, Jim Jim Morrison taking himself very seriously. (laughs) I didn't know that was the last song here. Yeah, apparently it's the last one. That's a great track. That is a great track. It might be my favorite Doors song. Yeah. Um, All right. All right, you guys enjoy that? How are you feeling so far? Yeah, that's good. That's good. I like this game. It's a good game. Okay, write in if you enjoy this game. (laughs) Yeah, I need to win. (laughs) All right, round two. Let's hear the clue. Round two, clue.
Ooh, a little, uh, is that like a train station crowd that we hear there? This was the track that I was listening to when I thought of this uh, quiz. This is from 1979. It's the title track off of a double album. Let's hear the clue again. Hmm. This also British? No, this is American. Okay, double album. Okay, I'm going to give that, you... A, that's, you said 79. 79, I'm going to give you a big hint about that noise that we just heard. Obviously not the wall, because that was 1980 and the British. Uh, part of this song was recorded at Dodger Stadium, so that might be the ambiance that you're hearing. Let's hear it again. Man, I'm trying to think of double albums from 79. Uh, the band has come up on this episode already. On this episode? Yeah, we've already discussed them. All right. Oh boy, how's our callback memory, Chris? Is it, uh, <laughs> All right, I have one last, one last clue <laughs> for you. War uh, or something? The song features the USC marching band. Let's hear that clue again. Is that a track by Fleetwood Mac? Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, double album from 79. Title track. Uh, is, is that oh, a, oh, wait. I can uh, get that. Tusk? Let's hear the answer. Yeah. Round two. All right. Yeah. That's Fleetwood Mac t- with the title track. Tusk. You're Tusk. hearing the USC marching band just chattering as they're getting ready to go. Go, very nice. It's an awesome. Yeah, Tusk is definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, What's... takes a while for the uh, the vocals to kick in. <laughs> one of my favorite Philip Max songs. Who's? They probably had a blast recording that album. What's the little? <laughs> yeah, the bass player didn't even show up to Dodger Stadium. Oh, John McVie. Yeah, yeah, McVie wouldn't show up. <laughs> Who is that? I think my friend Adrian is on an improv team, and in Emmy as well, uh, named Tusk. And it turns out Tusk was like a nickname for somebody's dick. Yeah, yeah. I okay. think that was the Lindsey yeah. Buckingham. Yeah, like... Lindsey Buckingham's Tusk himself. <laughs> so apropos for the soundtrack. There we go. All right. Moving on to round three. Round three. Let's hear the clue. A bunch of 70s garbage. 1968, actually. Oh, 68. <laughs> I, I will say that uh, before we get into the answer, I think Chris and I both know what track that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, what movie uh, that you can remember has this song on the soundtrack? Uh, doesn't Isn't it on... Um, uh, what's the one with Peter Fonda and... Uh, yeah, the writer. What is it? Um, uh, uh, Easy Rider. Easy Rider. Easy Rider. I think it was Jay and Silent Bob. It was uh, on Strike a, Back. Like even before Easy Rider was on a soundtrack, it's been on uh, a version of this has been on a soundtrack the, the that we did an episode. Soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's right. This is um, Not like Dune. Steppenwolf, Magic, Magic Carpet Ride. Nick and I both absolutely got it. There we go. Wee wee wee. 
all together now. <laughs> Gotta check out Steppenwolf. Apparently, they it was like a big deal. That was the longest like uh, like kind of feedback thing before a song, but they were technically they were just ripping off uh, Hendrix. Everybody was. Yeah, yeah, especially Steppenwolf. (laughs) (laughs) All right, last clue. You guys are doing good. Round four. This is like a low key game, but you guys are enjoying it. All right, let's hear the clue for round four. So this is from 1967. I put it last because I wouldn't have picked up on it, even though it's a very famous song. Nick knows it immediately. Got uh, it. Chris is walking out of the studio in frustration. Can I hear it one more time? Give uh, give Chris some some clues here. This is another title track. Another title track for the album. 1967. Billy Joel. 1967. <laughs> Uh, this is kind of crazy. This is the first rock album to ever win Album of the Year Grammy. Oh, wow. Not which, a double album. It's a uh, single, single album. album. Okay, well, just say it, Nick. <laughs> uh, Rolling Stone named it the greatest album of all time, which I don't really agree with, but uh, it might give you an idea of Let's what see. we're maybe one of the bands that we yeah. considered. Yeah. Is the Beatles? All right. It might be. It might the be Beatles. the Beatles. All right, I mean, greatest album of all time. <laughs> puts it in a pretty yeah, small box. What is the Beatles' greatest album? <laughs> I'm going to say that this is uh, the first track on Sgt. Pepper. Okay. With, with the song Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Let's hear the answer. Thanks for playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was awesome. I love that game. It was low energy, but it's fun. No, I like it. I like it a lot. It's a good game. Ambient noise. Yeah. It's like like jazz. It's about the rock that they're not playing. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy the silence. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you, Caleb. Enjoy the silence. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Getting back into the soundtrack, we are pulling into track number nine. This is McFadden and Whitehead with Ain't No Stopping Us Now. Disco baby. <laughs> this is like the kind of the hilariously perfect song for the part in the movie and also like the part in disco and the part in the seventies of like 
This is this ride's never ended. Yeah, what, yeah. what scene is this playing in in the this movie? This is in the New Year's Eve party where it's oh, all yeah. coming. 1979. It's like all the pieces are about to just start like coming apart. William H Macy is not having a great time. No, in this scene in, the, in this movie. In this movie, <laughs> yeah, the whole not, movie. Little Bill is uh, just can't catch a break. My man. wife's over there with an ass in her cock. <laughs> Sorry if I'm not focused on the film right now. <laughs> Is he the the sound guy? I can't remember. Yeah, I think he was like, like one of the tech guys tech, on the yeah sound editor. I think or something like that. was Philip Seymour Hoffman the boom yeah guy. Maybe he's a cameraman. I can't remember. I think that's right. Maybe he's like yeah. an AD or something. Uh, William H Macy. Yeah, yeah. He was like I think he was the AD, but um, yeah, because the, the camera guy is kind of that uh, schlubbier looking dude who, <laughs> whose name is escaping me right now. The, oh yeah, the beardy guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Scotty's uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's just like the gopher, like do whatever we Wait, ask. Beardy, please. Was that <laughs> oh, yeah. Ricky Jay the magician? I think he was the bearded guy, right? Yes. Or is it Luis Guzman? No, no, no. Luis Guzman was just kind of the nightclub. Oh boy, yeah, guy. Rodriguez. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> He's yeah, so I, good. He's in a bunch of the. P.T. Anderson movies. Yeah. Maurice. I, w- I yeah. wish I had had a chance to rewatch this uh, before the end. This, this is a great movie. Uh, we should all watch it tonight. I think uh, I think P.T. Anderson has apologized for every movie he's made for the length. <laughs> they're just they're all really one. long. Magnolia yeah. is like three P- hours or like three and a half yeah, hours. Oh, Magnolia. Yeah. That one's a little bit of a... That's getting out there, I thought. A little bit of a Sergeant Pepper, in my estimate. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah Ricky Jay is the, um, okay, know, okay, the yeah. film guy, like a cinematographer slash camera guy. But, yeah. <laughs> the way we're talking about this porn shoot, yeah, the like, AD and the cinematographer. The, yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's very respectable, man. <laughs> it everyone, was the golden age, man. Everyone wears a lot of hats on this one. got to give it up. But yeah, this is when... Um, Shortly after this, I think William H. Macy sees Nina Hartley, who is an actual adult film actress from the 70s and 80s, with, uh, you know, with some guy, and then he goes to his car, grabs a gun, and then shoots him, and then shoots himself, and then it's like, welcome to the 80s. <laughs> yeah, it's like, doom, 1980. Yeah, 1980. Oof. And uh, there is sort of a, I guess, a theme here that none of them can exist in the 80s. Like, they existed in this, like, tiny microcosm of this time and like the 70s and like you know once like the impending film like or, or, or a video was like kind of knocking at the door and they're all resisting it and then like I guess the AIDS scare is gonna kick in and like they, they were just living in a tiny tiny little world that's Crazy, all that's kind of the funniest about. thing about this movie well I don't know funny but uh after uh, Boogie Nights came out, like Boogie nobody, Nights. Boogie Nights. <laughs> nobody realized that there was a second floor because the porn industry, when uh, the internet took off and all that content was just getting pirated, there was like another huge drop off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, there should be a, actually a second movie. Oh. And even more oh. depressing. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> we got to make that movie. Yeah, be my guest. I don't want to have anything to do with that world, man. That sounds not fun. Chris and I had an idea for a TV show one time uh, where we were going to make our, our versions of different movies uh, called Chris and Nick's Road to Fame. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we, yeah, we still got to make that still show. Still got to make that, man. And our catchphrase, <laughs> we got to make that movie. We got to make <laughs> that movie. Pitching sequels, like trying to get Steven Spielberg on the phone. Like, look, <laughs> ET2, we got to make it. Come on. What's going on, Steven? <laughs> Goodwill Hunting 2, Board of Call. <laughs> Let's get into track 10. Oh, boy. (laughs) This is Night Ranger with Sister Christian.
This is probably my favorite scene in the film. Oh, it's so good. It's Alfredo Molina. Yeah. Alfred. Or do you call him Alfredo? Well, he's credited in this as Alfred, but he goes by Alfredo now. I think. Oh, okay. okay. Maybe I'm wrong. I think, like, if I heard that song, like, without the context of the movie, I would be, you know, probably say, like, oh, that song sucks. But, uh, like, I enjoy listening to this song because <laughs> I like this song. Because What's wrong with this song? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoy it because it's been in this movie. It's funny because he's not even, he's playing it off of a, a tape. I think it says, like, the awesome music mix <laughs> yeah, for yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's off this, like, eight track player. And, it's, like, there's that really tense scene when it, like, switches over to another one. And it's like, shut the fuck up. And it's, like, <laughs> and it's like, wait. Here we go. <laughs> Jesse's girl. <laughs> so this is, oh, he's the uh, the cocaine dealer that they're trying to rip off so that they can buy their demos from the yeah. uh, so they the recording can like, jumpstart right? their music career. Yeah, yeah, they show up with like a bag of flour and they're like, he'll buy anything. He's got <laughs> oh, okay. money. And yeah, that scene is maybe one of my favorite scenes in cinema history of just like the tension of it and the it's the really yeah, the guy, the oh, he's got his little minion the whole time through the scene they just shake every yeah. time they hear fireworks it's like at any second like the huge bouncer with the gun could be like this is fake and then, like the other guy's a loose cannon smoking like free basin coke <laughs> and like they know like you know Thomas Jane is like sitting there he's like we're not done yet <laughs> muttering to the, dude it is so so good. Oh, I love it so much. There's some interview I found on, uh, it's from like IndieWire. Mm-hmm. It was a Paul Thomas Anderson interview. And they comment on this song in the interview. Uh, IndieWire says, Sister Christian isn't a good song. <laughs> But it's a great bridge from the eight, it's a great bridge from the eighties to the seventies. Oh. And uh, Anderson said uh, that much porno and that much cocaine is going to equal Sister Christian. <laughs> Chris, not wrong. Like you're going to walk out of the studio again. Maybe it's a good song. <laughs> Maybe mean, it's good. I, I, what's the message of this song, though? I'm motoring. To, motoring. It's about what his younger sister. Yeah. Uh, the drummer. This is like written in and sang by the drummer of the band um, about his teenage. sister. Oh, look, the drummer wrote a song. (laughs) We'll put it right here on the refrigerator. I always love, like, these bands who, uh, they have their biggest hit that, like, their drummer writes and... Yeah, that's gotta be the sweetest reunion. Yeah. Yellow, yellow submarine. Yeah, man. The Ringo. Yeah. That's their biggest song. That's their biggest song. Still one that has a movie. Yeah, I think you, you were talking about this earlier, Caleb. That Alfred Molina had not heard this song or um, Jesse's Girl, which he sings along to. And like, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised he hadn't heard this. He's, he's, well, he's from the UK. I yeah, think yeah, is yeah. The, the reasoning behind it. But um, yeah, in, in the movie, you can tell like when he's singing along to Jesse's Girl, he doesn't know the words correctly, but it makes it even better he's like and she's doing the bed buddy and i just love it yeah yeah it's awesome man yeah it's so good it kind of there's that scene in uh you know wayne's world you know where they're doing the iconic bohemian rhapsody and i guess like dana carvey didn't really know the lyrics to bohemian rhapsody which i'm kind of surprised by as well but you can yeah. see him just like mouthing along and it's totally wrong <laughs> Yeah, this is this is definitely one of the, you know it's the only scene Alfred Molina's in. Yeah, and he nails it so good, it's so good, and then he just never it never shows him again. He's like it's that one like one and done scene that just completely changes a movie. He's yeah, chasing I, them like with a shotgun out of the house. I <sighs> love I love Molina, man. Uh, Spider Man Two, yeah, Doc Ock. Um, 
I remember coffee and cigarettes. Coffee and cigarettes. His vignette in the movie. He's playing himself with Steve Coogan, <laughs> yeah. and he's trying to explain to Steve Coogan that they're like distant cousins. Yeah. Oh my god, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah so good. Yeah, we, we were talking about. Um, I, f- I figured out who it was. Uh, John Turturro was offered this role mm. initially, and like Gwyneth Paltrow was offered Roller Girl. I guess Bill Murray was offered. Oh my god. Burt, uh, I mean Burt Reynolds' role. <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow is like the least sexual person I can think of. <laughs> I mean, she would have played a great ditzy roller girl, I think. You know, I don't, I don't know. know. Um, but yeah, there's so like uh, Christian Bale, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Ethan Hawke were all considered for Dirk Diggler. This movie could have been such a different movie. Uh, yeah, it's so strange. <laughs> I think the cast that they got is probably the best cast out of all those permutations. Yeah, it definitely so. solidified nicely. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't imagine Christian Bale talking to Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh my God. <laughs> we got to make that movie. <laughs> Let's get into track 11. This is Electric Light Orchestra with Living Thing. ELO in their um, mid seventies era, is, uh, maybe know, one of their best. Yeah, maybe one of their best. I love ELO. I love this song. I, it's weird that I think people of older generations look down at ELO as being kind of. They started as like a little bit of a Beatles knockoff, and then I don't know if they were like a little bit out of time. But yeah, I have placing or I have trouble placing who ELO's fan base really was at the time. Yeah, I always see them kind of mentioned as like a guilty pleasure. Yeah. Uh, but they're so good. I don't yeah, know. I that's don't a know. great album that that song comes from. New, New World That's from New World Record yeah. in 76. Uh, it's got Telephone Line yeah. on that same album, which you start to hear a little bit of like synthesizer stuff happening before he goes full, you know, time. <laughs> <laughs> telephone Line's the doo-wop, doo-wop. Yes, I can't. Uh, yeah, I can't think of it without thinking of um, the Billy Madison scene, and <laughs> some um, Steve Buscemi who's like, you know, gets the phone call. From oh, him. that's that song in that scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, ah, hey, I'm sorry, I bullied you in high school. I was young and stupid. And he's like, yeah, don't mention it. <laughs> and he like crosses his name off the do not or to kill list. That may- and, and then, then he like the reclines. On. <laughs> yeah, it's lipstick. <laughs> that's maybe one of the best scenes in <laughs> cinema history. It's, such it's a up tiny there. Any scene. <laughs> And like, it's so yeah, good. I mean, not to sound like the frat boy I am, but man, there's some there's some great jokes in that movie. It's so funny. Check out Billy Madison. Billy Madison, folks who haven't heard it. Great soundtrack. Can't track it down. They never the Happy Madison team. I don't think they put out soundtracks for those movies. No, they didn't. No. Oh, Wedding Singer. We did that. Oh, one. Wedding Singer. Yeah. I don't think that was Happy Madison though. Uh-huh. Could be. Who knows? ELO. So great. So great. Happy Madison. Yeah, probably. Uh, Seems like they had a whole different crew on them. No, yeah. it's all the same people. Yeah, yeah, maybe it is. I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, the one movie with Drew Barrymore. Oh, no, wait. There was like eight. This, uh, <laughs> this song's playing. This ends up on the ending credits, and it's uh, 
when Dirk Diggler is kind of rehearsing his lines and then he does, you know, you finally get to see what all the fuss is about um, in the mirror. <laughs> when he oh, yeah, he kind of does his, PT is doing his take on like a raging bull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I'm a big, bright, shining star. Okay? Listen up, ma! Ah. <laughs> like Walmart. Guys, come on, I'm ready to shoot. Come on. <laughs> I can't imagine working out with Mark Wahlberg at 2.30 a.m. at his house. Just watch the Good Vibrations music video with Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. He's, like, lifting concrete weights and stuff. <laughs> Beanie, no shirt. It's always a great look. <laughs> it's cold out. It's warm out. What's happening? What's happening? <laughs> Track 12, The Beach Boys, God Only Knows. If you should ever leave me Life would still go on, believe me The world could show nothing to me So what good would living do me? God only knows what I'd be without you And God only knows what I'd be I'm just thinking of that scene in Love and Mercy where he's playing that song for his dad after he's written it and his dad's like, nah. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> oh, man. That's, Have you guys seen that? I yeah, haven't watched yeah, that yet. That's good. A, John Cusack. The Cusack Paul one. Giamatti is the like overbearing manager. It might have been right. Who knows? I mean, yeah. like Brian Wilson was so nuts for so long. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, poor guy. But I, yeah, I love I love this song so much. I think it's such a beautiful song. Yeah, one it's, it's one of the best Beach Boys songs. The off of Pet Sounds. Yeah. This is like peak Beach Boys right at the end. Brian Wilson's opus, yeah. I think. Yeah, I, I think I told you, fellas, I was doing a deep dive on some of the more obscure Beach Boy songs. And some of them are really telling to what Brian Wilson was doing, was just like locking himself in a room and like one's like, Johnny Carson is the oh, guy. Oh, yeah. That's like, John. Me, Carson. I guess he was watching a lot of Johnny Carson. Oh no! Is this when he's like has his piano in a sandbox yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. on LSD? He would just like I think he, yeah. That's when he wrote like uh, Smile, the entire Smile album in that Beach Box. Yeah, Beach Box. He's like Beach Boys. Screw that Beach Box. Well, like apparently, you bad know, the, joke. <laughs> <laughs> they would, uh, you know, they would be recording something in his house. And they'd be like, okay, we need like one more hit for this song. Get Brian out of his room. And he'd come down and be like, okay, here's the song. <laughs> Just like playing his little sandbox. And they'd be like, okay, cut it. Let's, let's go. John E. Carson. Yeah. And there's one where it's, it's called Busy Doing Nothing. And he's like giving you directions to his home. He's like, take oh, yeah. just a little while. Then you'll take a right, go through the gate, and then it's a bumpy road. Wait, no, this matches up. That's how you get to Brian Wilson's house. Like, Terrifying. Just, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think he's just writing songs trapped in his room for like 10 years. It's crazy. I don't know if it's true, but I remember reading that uh, supposedly Good Vibrations, the demo, was all about how like like he had heard that animals could tell if you're like a good person or a bad person by your vibrations and it was this whole so he wrote this whole song about like getting along with animals because they can tell yeah pet sounds and uh yeah yeah i mean it's it's all part of pet sounds but uh it was yeah when when his brother you know everybody came back and they like wanted to listen to what he'd been working on he's like it's about these pets they're like 
Okay, I think there's something here, but maybe... We'll put that in the maybe pile. It's good vibes. How's that? Okay, but what if it's about a girl? It's like, like a girl dog? No, 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 just no, no, no. Brian. Okay, hold on, hold on. Focus, on. focus. <laughs> Poor Brian. Oh, man. Our hearts go out. He made it out all right. Yeah, yeah, the picture of him surrounded by the cast of Cats is still the funniest thing ever. It's just like, oh, it's terrifying. Dead-eyed, thousand-yard stare, and they're like, the, you know, the cast, Broadway cast of Cats is like, <laughs> I still got to see the cat's movie, or do I? I would love to see it. It it sounds too bad for words, and I just have to experience it's like it. Like Jason myself. Derulo's package, they had to like CG out. <laughs> oh, Dude, I I read the. <laughs> apparently, uh, they were in such a rush to release it, and the the director uh, Tom Hooper. He's kind of known for using some, uh, he's had some opinions about production where apparently when they did Les Mis, he did it without a click track because he wanted it to be like more organic and it was yeah. a nightmare to put together in the editing bay. But uh, in this yeah. one part, he didn't want people in the mocap mo suits. And so it made the CGI a nightmare. And when the film came out, there was a few scenes where like, Judy Dench's human hands are visible and there's somebody oh, wearing yeah. a hoodie. <laughs> like, and so they had like to moves too fast and it like outpaces. They just the didn't CGI. have time to do it in certain scenes and in, and they they like patched the film. They like sent out the new version to theaters, oh, like which is like unprecedented that. to like update the VFX and then resubmit it to a theater. That's crazy. But it's like Kanye's doing that with his album. He just get keeps it out in time out. for uh, award season. <laughs> Dude, 2020 is shaping up. <laughs> Hairball. Hairball. Hair. Uh, is that is that your uh, one word review? Yeah. Hairball. <laughs> oh, this is uh this kind of wraps up the movie as well. It's kind of going through the song, it's the vignettes. Oh yeah, this is like showing where everybody ended up, right? And it's is such this the like part a, with the colonel. Yeah, the colonel's like getting the crap kicked out of him in oh, yeah. prison. And like, you know, roller girls like bailing on her GDE again. And then like some of it's fun, like Buck Swope, Don Cheadle, who we haven't mentioned who's brilliant. He's like selling his, he's got a stereo world. Hi-fi stereo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, it's, yeah, it's beautiful because like half of it's sad and half of it's kind of good, I guess, for for now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, so uh, we're pulling into the last track. We're pulling into the last track. What do we Maybe got? Maybe the last track. We'll see. <laughs> this is Michael Penn and Patrick Warren with the Big Top theme from Boogie Nights. be great outro music for the podcast <laughs> yeah. this is very bittersweet it all comes to an end we've had michael penn on the podcast before that's uh that's chris, right. chris penn's brother who's married to amy mann mm -hmm. does all uh, pt yeah. anderson a lot of pt anderson scores mm -hmm. i think he had some stuff on uh, godzilla go back and check out our godzilla app from Ooh. way back last spring i think that's a spooky soundtrack <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> this is a track listing podcast, a podcast where Halloween never ends. <laughs> yeah. So if you uh, if you keep listening to that track after some silence on the CD, that's what we call a bonus track. Mm. There's a little hidden gem at the end. I don't end. know if you've heard about this, Chris. Bonus tracks. Let's hear the Perfect. bonus track from Boogie Nights. You got the touch. 
If only the isolated vocal was out there somewhere. (laughs) That's a great hidden track. Yeah, it's so great. I I, um, unironically enjoy that song. (laughs) So you said so it's a song from the the Transformers, Transformers, nineteen eighty five Transformers animated animated film where they like kill off Optimus Prime for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, I think just to, a to, cliffhanger. They, they want new toys or something. Or. Yeah, they have to had to reset the series to get the new toys. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other th- soundtracks or albums from our childhood that had secret tracks on them. I remember Green Day, Green Dookie, Day, I remember, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and then I think it was Flaming Lips. You go to the first song on the album. And you can rewind into like the oh, wow. the negative pre-space. Oh, cool. And there's like a little message there that like leads you in. Um, I remember something. I, I don't know if they used to do it on records or if it was something that people started doing more recently. But on vinyl, you can set like a lock track so that when a song ends, then the needle just spins around and doesn't proceed any further. Yeah. But then after that, you can put another track. So you have to know to like physically move in. Interesting. Cool. I remember the Gorillas had a cool song called M1A1 that was like way, way after one of their like the bonus track on the last song. I think what like Jack White thought he was gonna do something really cool, so he made those vinyl records that you um Oh, that go inside they, out? Yeah, they go from the inside out. Like, Must be fun to master cool. it, master that. Cool man. <laughs> That's enough, Jack. Yeah, calm, yeah. down. calm down. <laughs> but we do have to rate this soundtrack. Yeah, let's rate it. Uh, as always, when we rate an album, we have to turn to Chris first. What and do you think? Zero to fifteen. Zero to fifteen. Zero to 15. Decimal. Born stars in the sky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I love this soundtrack. I think it's a great, great soundtrack. I think it's a fantastic movie. Uh, this has got to be as close to perfect as it gets. You have a little, even the, you get the Michael Penn uh, theme at the end and you get the bonus track, which, I mean, it's it's very satisfying. Volume one, I got to give it a 14.7. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. It's almost perfect. Uh, that's pretty close to my uh, rating as well. Uh, I'm going to say 14.8. Uh, I would have okay. liked to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I just got like, you know, uh, closest without going over in a Price is Right move. Like, uh, I'm going to do 247, Bob. I'm going to go uh, 14 foot and a half. <laughs> if maybe the last track on the soundtrack had been replaced with um, Jesse's Girl or, you know, there's so many songs in the film. I think it's music like top to bottom for, you know, two and a half two hours and 45 minutes or something. So I think rather than, I think maybe he wanted to do a double album, but they wanted to try to sell more copies. So they split it up into two volumes and we might cover volume two. I'm sure we will. It's also a great one. Yeah. We'll bring somebody on Um, to do that one. Yeah. (laughs) 14.8. 14.8. Okay. I, this is an amazing compilation. I think the only thing I would ding it for is that it's all classic music. There's a few kind of deeper cuts, but there's nothing like it's a movie set in a period and you know what's like great music from that period. So it's, it's not as impressive risks. It's it's harder to do a contemporaneous like soundtrack with music that's going to hold up. Uh, But I'll give this a 14.2 amazing record. Fun to listen to. This has been a great, great episode. Great pick. Great, really. Had a great time. Great movie. 
fantastic movie. Great friends. Great friends. Great new year. 2020. 2020. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Uh, Before we go, we have to add a song to the track listing Spotify playlist. Uh, Chris, what was the theme this this week? Uh, Best song to... You know. How would you describe how would you describe the theme this week? Fucking song. Okay. <laughs> there it is. Still not as funny. <laughs> still not very funny. <laughs> so is is this a loose uh, recommendation? Yeah, it's yeah, pretty yeah. it's loosey goosey. Right? Right, Chris? Tell me, what is the theme this <laughs> Why? week? <laughs> is this songs that you would you guys, envision you being used in a porno? I would say what's your favorite porny song? Porny song. Porny song. I'm gonna go with the Prince track Head. Let's hear a little bit of that. What does that stand for? I don't know. what that song's about yeah hmm. subtext <laughs> so good that's coming yeah i don't know i love i love that era of that's Prince. from uh, dirty yeah. mind yeah. kind of a dry funky album yeah. has that i love funky man yeah slaps that's a great song thanks prince, <sighs> thanks, prince. so good all right chris all right. what do you what do you have for your wait what's the what's the theme this week tell us uh god what was it what is your <laughs> favorite <laughs> Fucking song. Okay. Yeah, Chris, okay. what's your favorite fucking yeah, song? Fucking funky song. Uh, this is a song <laughs> called uh, <laughs> Journal of Ardency uh, by Class Actress. And it's off the album Class Actress. Or, excuse me. It's off the uh, album Journal of Ardency. Let's hear that one. This album is put out by the uh, record label uh, Terrible Records. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Record label name. I, I remember being really into this song when it came out. Yeah, yeah I don't know that. That's cool. Uh, 2009, 2010. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth uh, Vanessa Harper is her real name, but uh, it's a great song. I I figured it out from um, Barry, the uh, the Bill Hader oh. show. There's like one slow motion scene where Barry's watching. Um, I can't remember Sally. Uh, I think that's her name in the show Dance on the dance floor and it does like a slow like and like you're like whoa this show's good (laughs) (laughs) it's a very very sensual song but it's also like about something sort of you know sinister I like that one good pick it's a good it's a good song check them out what do you got Caleb alright my pick's from 2001 you guys might uh, get on me a little bit for this being a little trip hoppy but this is a project by uh, it's a collaboration Dan the Automator I don't know if you guys remember Dan the Automator 
Uh, he produced, he was part of Handsome Boy Modeling School, Deltron 3030. And then he went on to uh, produce a lot of the first Gorillaz record, oh, okay. which is where I think he probably made a lot of his money. Money! Uh, but this is Dan the Automator with Kid Koala, who was a DJ, Mike Patton from Faith No More, and then uh, a woman named uh, Jennifer Charles. The album was called uh, Music to Make Love to Your Old Lady by. <laughs> and it's, it's a very, it's like very self-consciously like dripping with double entendre and very like uh, tongue in cheek, uh, but also I think really cool. And the song, a lot of the songs on this record are named after Hitchcock films for some reason. Uh, this one is named after a Burt Reynolds film, uh, Stroker Ace. How appropriate. What a perfect pick. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Caleb, a little trip hoppy. <laughs> it's a great song. It's, it's a great pick. Uh, Lovage. There's a there's they do a cover of a Berlin song on there, but it's mostly original music, a lot of kind of atmospheric sample heavy stuff. But it's I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Lovage. It's music good. to make love to your old lady by. Very nice. Good pick. Good pick. And good pick, Nick. Good pick, Thanks, Nick. <laughs> Boogie Nights is awesome, man. I love that. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for, for listening to the soundtrack yeah. with us this week. And if you guys want to play along at home, you know, send in your own recommendations for a soundtrack we could do or for uh, our recommendation songs. We yeah. always like to hear those, too. Send me audio clips of silence and let me know if I, I'll let you know if I can identify them. <laughs> I think it's uh, Chris's pick. Next. That's correct. That's correct. Stay tuned. <laughs> Boogie nights. <laughs>